This is a Suno India production and you're listening to the Suno India show. Around 2 years ago, when I interviewed a woman who was a victim of intimate partner violence for another podcast of Suno India called Pinjra Thodkar, I remember the anger with which she said, "Madam, usne mujhe roz rape kiya. Aise mard ke sath kaun rehta?" She said, "Ma'am, he raped me every day. Who will stay with a man like this?" Her eyes flashed as she spoke, and what stood out in her was her fight for her dignity. But she couldn't press charges against her husband for rape because he was her husband. Marital rape in India remains a taboo topic and is spoken in hushed whispers among women. In India, marital rape is not yet a crime and like anywhere else is a sensitive topic to deal with for policymakers, rights activists, lawmakers, police, you name it. But the data is staggering. If we were to talk of violence against women in absolute numbers, according to the Indian government's latest national family health survey, about 30% Indian aged 18 to 49 years have experienced spousal violence. Let that sink in. In terms of sexual violence, the average Indian woman is 17 times more likely to face sexual violence from her husband than from anyone else. according to the survey with over 7 lakh women but then there are many men who say that the need to criminalize marital rape is unnecessary and will break the foundations of marriage the fight to criminalize marital rape goes back to decades but gained steam in 2012 when a brutal gang rape on a bus in the national capital left many of us shell shocked the nirbhaya case was a turning point due to which a committee was set up called the justice verma committee now marital rape is back in spotlight as a delhi high court is listening to a series of petitions demanding that it be criminalized but what does it actually mean for the feminist movement and women's rights in this country hi i am padma priya editor in chief of suno india and for this episode of the suno india show i spoke with dr ranjana kumari director of center for social responsibility india on this issue thank you so much uh, ranjana kumari ji for being with us here on the suno india show i wanted to sort of uh, talk today about the whole issue that sort of taken uh, you know a lot of prime time space and debates around the issue of marital rape and uh, ongoing uh, debates in the Uh, in the court about this your initial thoughts on what's going on right now i just uh, want to uh, bring your attention to this issue which is not very recent we started uh, talking about it in the women's movement organizations manifesto a uh, long time back and also that after nirbhaya's rape case when verma commission was set up this issue came up and we presenting to verma commission emphasized the need for criminalizing rape in marriage uh, and also consider it as rape and not just a conjugal relationship in which uh, women is uh, necessarily uh, physically sexually available to men uh, so that was uh, included in the recommendation of verma commission 
however uh, verma ji himself justice verma and the team her, uh, themselves were not very sure of this recommendation going through in the parliament because they uh, thought that parliament made i mean the members of parliament are not mentally ready to accept uh, such a radical uh, view uh, and then of course since then this is going on so uh, in the uh, recommendation uh, for changing the sexual assault law uh, the then the rape law uh, section 375 uh, of indian penal code was um, read reconsidered by the commission and of course uh, rape was considered as an offense need it uh, broadens the definition of rape and also quantum of punishment is reconsidered and has been made very stringent in in that recommendation and later was adopted by the uh, parliament however the exception 2 of section 375 of the indian penal code states that sexual intercourse by a man with his own wife the wife who's uh, not being under 15 years of age is not rape okay so anybody who is married to a man and he is doing anything in terms of sexual intercourse with the wife is considered valid legal uh, accepted you know acceptable so that was the position and and since then this rape in marriage has been a uh, uh, subject for discussion and uh, so just to sort of uh, take away you know because this is a important point that you're bringing about the uh, article 375 um and you just very importantly mentioned the verma commission report why was this exception put in the first place was it because they felt that it would be something undigestible for parliamentarians or were there some other grounds for this uh, for this exception to have been made look it was not made exception by verma commission verma commission recommendation had included rape in marriage thank you for clarifying uh, that yeah yes rape in marriage it was part of the recommendation presented to the parliament but when the parliament legislated it they made it an exception so that's what the hunch was and i think i remember uh, having heard an interview of justice varma in on ndtv of the, which which can be presented as an evidence in fact he mentioned and you're gracious enough for him to mention me my name personally and say that even in spite of the insistence coming from people like ranya kumari we could not do anything eventually to uh, really uh, make it illegal and a criminal offense rape in marriage now um, petitioners in this case are saying that this exceptional is very unconstitutional and it is against the fundamental rights of women and on the other side we have men who are contesting this and have gone to the extent of saying that you know striking down this exception could lead to a breakdown in marriage and also are bringing up repeatedly the misuse of this law uh, if it is if it is made into a law um what is your take on this one on you know this whole thing that it can lead to a breakdown in marriage and two that there could be a you know that there can be a potential misuse of uh, such a law Well, look. I mean, this argument is raised in the light of women's autonomy, uh, whether in a democracy that we are living in, and in that we can continue uh, practicing 17th-century legal principles that regarded women as a property of the husband, with no decision-making power or autonomy. Uh, the most important issue before the court is uh, the that's why before the court is consent. Um, which can be uh, which can be defined especially when there is implied consent and except an expectation of conjugal sexual relationship 
in a marriage. It should be emphasized that the implied consent in a marriage cannot be considered irrevocable consent. A man, a woman must have a freedom to, of choice to say no. So that's the whole thing, crux of the whole thing about women's autonomy and her own agency and control over her body and sexuality. So that's the first point. Secondly, it is very important to understand that no institution of marriage can survive on permission to, to men to rape their wives. I don't think any husband would want to accept that condition uh, who is legitimately married and who is not really of, uh, the intention is not that. What happens, the cases that we have received in Center for Social Research over the years, where husband, when they are drunk or when they are angry and upset, they brutalize women's bodies to show the power and control. And also they do it in order to insult or inflict injury on her. Also, in certain cases, women are treated badly by their husbands in bed because they are not able to sexually uh, satisfy the wife. They, there is not a good sexual relationship between man and a woman. So there are many certain conditions in which such uh, things happen. If, if it is a normal marriage, it's a marriage of cooperation, coordination and happiness and, you know, uh, mutual respect and consent, then I don't think uh, if marriage means all that, then I don't think legislating uh, and making rape in marriage illegal is going to uh, destroy institution of marriage. Uh, and the part about where, you know, there was this whole Twitter uh, storm that went about hashtag marriage strike and men saying that, oh, if this comes into being, that it will become like uh, 498A and there'll be a lot of misuse and women will falsely accuse men of rape. What's your take on that? Well, you know, I think there are a few groups in the country who have been, uh, you know, fighting against organizations like ours and us. And they call themselves Save Indian Family. And there are many such organizations now sprung around the country in, uh, among the men. I think they have a democratic right to say what they want to say. But these are the people who feel very uh, threatened. They feel very upset when we say you cannot change the dowry law. I mean, especially there's a lot of personal attack over the years that I have personally faced. A uh, lot of very, very, um, you know, uh, unacceptable uh, comments about me or things like that. I mean, a lot of things that they blame me for and all that. But you see, the whole issue at the moment is that we are talking about majority of women in India who are not just living in urban areas and who do not have a voice. You know, so saying that uh, women will go and misuse the law, perhaps, uh, and for that to discern from whether it is used or misused, there is a whole court sitting there. There's a whole police system investigation sitting there. So you cannot just loosely say that women will misuse the law. You know, if, if they misuse the law, they will be, cases will be rejected and they will be punished for it. There is a provision for punishment for people who misuse the law. So, you know, what is all this fear mongering in the society saying that women are... And Indian women to really talk about sex and sexuality in the bedroom, I don't know, you know, if if even the most educated ones, the most liberated ones, dare do that 
you know it has taken decades and uh, to for women to come to complain about sexual harassment in workplace you know and that is true somewhere in the west in uh, cinema industry which is quite liberated and open and have a lot of autonomy uh, women came up with that kind of a complaint and look at what happened to it how badly it was stamped and how women have again been silenced and they've gone into their silos to not talk about it at all so i think women coming uh, from and then all this question of prestige and you know question of um, not following the dignity of the family you are being loose character you are so every blame today's india is on, uh, puts on women for anything that goes wrong in relationship so how how are these people talking about and also if they want to uh, uh, call it a day for marriage i would be more happy because then the girls will have their own choice at least they will not be imposed a husband you know the, the indian tradition the arranged marriage of course we all talk very proudly about it oh we have a very good system of arranged marriages they work but at what cost they work who pays the cost for these marriages to work by and large women you know so i think it's important to understand that all these people who are talking are not talking sense as far as i'm concerned and i think this is a very rational thing to do and as far as i know from the research that 106 countries have already adopted it and 56 countries are already practicing it so i don't know i mean like exact data since we haven't seen a lot more but what i have been given by my team after very careful research is this so if those countries can have it you know a, a judge who has practiced for 38 years in canada's supreme court wrote to me and i am just going to read that quote to you to understand how how important and serious this matter is he says that uh, i i should also mention that as of 2015 in canada pursuant to the Can canada evidence act section 4 um oblique 2 uh, no person is in incompetent or uncompelable to testify for the prosecution by reason only that they are married to the accused so clear you know they are about this whole thing so uh, this is the federal law so you can't say the person is incompetent to complain or you can't say that the person doesn't have the you know enough evidence to complain you start doing your investigation when the person complains so that's another bogey they have raised that you know how will you investigate i can tell you one other very personal story when this whole thing was getting discussed we were lobbying with members of parliament and mp said that you want to bring police in the bedroom and that's really too much you don't know what you are asking for you know a lot of people you know when again arguing about or against this this about marital rape um, they do ask that you know are our legal systems competent enough to know if force is used how do you prove that you know that marital rape has happened and uh, could you tell us if you know what are the, some of the systems that are in place in these other countries where marital rape is criminalized when you know first of all it was criminalized in 1922 in soviet union thereafter under the impact of wave of feminism in the 70s australia passed the reform in 1976 many scandinavian countries and european countries made rape in marriage a criminal offense thereafter you know so continuously and then of course over 104 countries have already criminalized the offense of marital rape india is one of the 36 countries that still have not criminalized marital rape 
So we are among the bottom 36 for everything and for this also. So, um, so the question is arises now how to translate and interpret this intricate legal issue within the Indian context and how to investigate as your question was. So I would say that just like any rape, there may not be eyewitness, there may not be um, anyone who can come forward and, you know, you, just between two people, it can happen in a dark room, it can happen in a dark jungle, it can anywhere. So similarly, if the woman comes, then you have to take the circumstantial evidence, you know, bodily harm, because a lot of such rape by the husband happens after physical assault of women. So there's a domestic violence angle involved. And that is why you will read domestic violence law when we were uh, working on it. Uh, sexual, uh, you know, other than economic um, physical and all that violence was included, sexual violence was included there, but it has never been considered, it's never been brought forward. And that is why this is important to emphasize in the rape law. So it, physical assault follows rape, fine. In that case, there are injuries, there are, uh, you know, there may be a, hist uh, a kind of precedence of such things that happened and she was confiding in with someone, maybe she has written her diary. I mean, so circumstantial evidence, physical evidence, and also emotional trauma that she's going through. You can maybe do go put such women through psychological tests, whatever. So similarly, I mean, I don't see any difference between collecting evidence for a rape, unless it is, of course, a gang rape and a lot of halabunu is about that. But unless, so similarly, this can be also, and how are the other countries doing it? Similarly, similarly, we can also investigate. And then, of course, onus of proof has to be on the husband to prove that he did not rape her or he did not sexually brutalize her. Another question, you know, that is again asked is about the implementation of laws. Like we have this Nirbhaya Act now in being, um, you know, and then, you know, there's this constant criticism among people that, oh, we have great laws in India. Um, it's really good on paper, but when it actually comes to implementation, that's often lacking. So if this does become part of the law, how, um, how effective do you think it will be and what will actually take to make it effective? Um, will it be reform in the police? What, I mean, what are all the different things that will have to actually go to make it a effective law in that sense? Well, you know, uh, let me just uh, go back to the point why we are emphasizing it. But in, also it is very important to note that while uh, unmarried women can prosecute a man, continuing from what I was saying before this about evidence. So unmarried woman can prosecute a man for sexual intercourse. The same is not applicable to a married woman, you know, and in order to, uh, I mean, in other words, married women cannot prosecute her own husband. This is a violation of Article 14 and 19 of India's constitution. So it's also is constitutional right and guarantee within which we are talking about. You know, and non-criminalization of marital rape in India actually undermines the dignity and human rights of women. So in that context, we are talking about now, now to answer your question, uh, this was about uh, how do you establish it? How do you make the law? So even if it comes into law, there is this constant thing that, oh, it's not, it may, we, we struggle with implementing these laws, right? They might, they might look very effective on paper. So what will actually go into making this law effective? Like what are the kind of steps that will need to be taken? Because this will require some amount of reform and attitudinal shift, if I'm not 
to be mistaken so in your um, understanding what will actually go into making this an effective sort of a law if it if and when it does come in well you know uh, any law for women first has to be known to women that's the precondition of women's ability to use the law and considering such a large amount of number of women in our country are still illiterate or semi literate or very low level of literacy law comes very late in terms of understanding and knowledge of women so certainly there has to be a very very effective awareness campaign not only about this law if it is legislated but also every law about sexual harassment at workplace domestic violence i mean all the laws which is, which are the dowry act all the laws which are been uh, you know with lot of struggle from the women's movement organizations came into being should be uh, targeted for very very wide level of awareness campaign across the country and this becomes a responsibility and should be one of the res- lead responsibilities of uh, women ministries in uh, central uh, government in state governments state commissions for women and state com- and national commissions of women you know those national commission for women human rights commission's responsibility should also be there but human rights commission never considers there's never i think recently they've got a women officer but they never had a <laughs> women's rights commissioner within the uh, uh, human rights commission so i think there are institutions across the country which can be used for uh, collaborating with civil society organizations to create awareness because this is not problem of just this law if it is legislated this is the problem of every single law to protect women which is available but uh, women are not able to use it it's very unfortunate that and then also of course some uh, women who are uh, daring to use it or maybe are competent to use it are facing lot of hurdles in terms of response of the police as a law enforcement uh, a response of the court so justice dispense delivery system in india is so male dominated and is so so geared towards responding to uh, male and suffers from so much of patriarchy that you know women don't get access to justice there is this also a certain belief that the ones who are demanding for marital rape to be criminalized are those who are mainly from urban centers and you know this is actually not such a such a big deal or such a big issue from your experience of having worked in this space for so many decades um how would you respond to that sort of a, a criticism again well, it's a very flimsy criticism it's a very irresponsible criticism because what is important to understand that this is a country where child marriage is practiced and not only practiced but also has grown during the pandemic because of the um, you know economic depravity in the families a lot of families have tried to get rid of the girl girl children by getting them off to married and shunning from uh, you know shifting the responsibility of care and protection of the girls to the in-laws family so a lot of this is happening child marriage is growing in india and in that situation imagine a 14 year 12 year 16 year whatever i mean below child marriage age uh, how many girls understand sexual intercourse sexual relationship how many know where there is violation and so many suffer it and i'm saying it with some sense of responsibility and experience that so many have reported to us and they suffer it and uh, there is no way to protect themselves so a to get the first of all get the instrument in hand to protect yourself no and then of course to know about how to use it 
and those are the two steps we have to follow to be able to protect so many child brides in the country and uh, other than that also of course I, i can't say that you know only urban women are asking for it urban women are understanding it and are experiencing and are have the ability at least the voice to say it that's why it's coming from those quarters every time when you want to get some reform done you want some progressive measures to be taken it has to come from people who can articulate those but that does not mean the rest of majority of women are not suffering and they will not benefit by that they will ultimately there is also now you know as you brought in brought it up right in the beginning of our conversation this is also about the reading of consent and the understanding of what is consent so ultimately isn't this conversation a lot about consent and how do we actually drive this narrative towards that because i feel like that's something that's lacking when when people are writing or talking about marital rape is that there is a lot of con- there is a lot of issue that is actually linked to the understanding of consent and how a man understands consent versus maybe a woman um am i am i ra- right in saying that when sexual intercourse or sexual um becomes sexual assault when there is no consent if it is happening with mutual consent and if it is a consensual relationship then nobody should have any objection to it and nobody can call it illegal act or nobody should criminalize it but when it is the consent is not involved and it's enforced and also it's uh, you can say uh, in some sense uh, imposed uh on uh by one person on the other certainly then it really is something which is crossing the boundary and uh, so that is why it has been argued in the court that until the act of marital rape becomes an explicit offense it will remain condoned and then consent is never you know this problem with our society bindage is that our people and our men especially are raised with such entitlement from the childhood you know we all as mothers and fathers have made that huge uh, mistake or decision to give them that kind of entitlement and take the entitlement away from the girls so so what happens in this sense is that men think that they what they are doing is right and also i let me i want to draw your attention to another problem i mean which may not be very directly uh, connected and related but the whole sex and uh, education you know in the country how many men and boys and girls know what exactly it is and what is the right behavior what is the etiquette what is the you know pleasure what is uh, anything i mean about sexual relationship so it's very very uh, le- you know they learn it from all kinds of dubious methods perhaps even from pornography and uh, so so that's also a problematic area here and in in uh, that kind of a literature and material and uh, videos and whatever they watch consent is absolutely not there is there is no question of any consent women's bodies are there they should be made available to use abuse uh, use reuse whatever you want to do with it you know so that's something and pleasure is not really defined in the manner that it is actually there so there are many many areas which we need to pay attention to but most important area is consent and that's something which unless understood and exercised by the couple husband and wife then uh, certainly you are overset stepping the mandate and you are uh, not allowing the women to have control and right over her own body you don't own the body in marriage 
when marriage does not give you license to rape your wife please rate our podcast and leave a comment if you like it underreported and underrepresented stories can become mainstream only if it reaches more people so please support us by visiting a contributing page on our website sunoindia.in or follow us on facebook twitter or instagram